We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, friends. By now you've heard me talk about the new brand of water that looks like tall boys of beer, Liquid Death. This crisp, refreshing mountain spring water from the Alps that comes in still, sparkling, and three unique flavors is by far and away the best brand of water on the market. One of my favorite aspects of Liquid Death is that most water companies use plastic bottles, which is beyond terrible for the environment. Most of the plastic you throw into a recycling bin actually just gets sent to a landfill because it's not profitable to recycle. But aluminum is infinitely recyclable and profitable for recycling facilities, hence why Liquid Death uses aluminum cans. Most importantly, the water tastes great. I can't get enough of the lime sparkling water and my family has been drinking them nonstop. It's always fun seeing our sons get crazy looks as they are downing tall boys out in public as well. If you haven't tried Liquid Death yet, what are you waiting for? You can get Liquid Death at your local Target, Walmart, or 7-Eleven. Or find a Liquid Death retailer near you using their store locator at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome into the wednesday edition of the pack a day podcast i am one of your co-hosts dusty evely with me tonight no steve no steve perhatch but sarah kelleher back from her two-week hiatus one because she was working too hard and two because she got real sick last week so sarah Welcome back. We missed you. Sorry, there's no huge welcoming party, but I am here at least. So welcome back. How are you? Good. No, it's it's good to be back and getting more in a, a normal routine again. You know, I was, um, you know, out of pocket for work for, like you said, and, you know, I was working an event offsite and that was busy. And then I got COVID for the first time. I made it all this time and then it, it finally got me. So that wasn't very fun, but I seem to be doing better now. You know, I'm, I'm a week plus or 10 plus days out now. So, um, so you know, just just hanging in, trying to get better and glad to be doing some things in my normal routine again and talking to other humans. That's nice too, but <laughs> I was grateful it wasn't too bad. And hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm able to make a full, full recovery in the next few days or so. Um, but you know, Packers game. Lisa was entertaining. Gave me something mm-hmm. to do. Um, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm still still recovering from whatever has been running through my body for the past month. But yeah, I'm I'm feeling good for the most part. Uh, and yeah, same with you on the on the Eagles game. I I felt uh, you know it was one of those that we were we were kind of sitting around talking. I was at a friend's house and we were watching it. And a, a guy from out of town we hadn't seen in a year was there, so we we're kind of talking about it. We kind of we gave him the 
you know, we, we came into this game with no hope. It's we gave him the Ted Lasso. It's the hope that kills you. Uh, we're, we're not going to do it. And then it was 13, nothing. It was like, okay, well, here we go. And then it was 14, 13. And then the hope sort of creeping back in just enough to, to just yeah. hurt a little, but was not expecting much. I did expect the defense to put up a little more of a fight against the run game than they did, but that's on me for, for thinking that that, that was a thing that was potentially going to happen. But we got, we got some good, man. We got Christian, we got another Christian Watson game. Love it. Uh, we got a, the possibly, you know, AJ Dillon kind of rearing his ugly head again and doing some really nice things in the run game. And, um, you know, we got Aaron Rodgers doing, you know, throwing a couple of picks uh, that, that were a little kind of out of the ordinary for him, but, you know, making some nice throws. Then we got to see a full quarter of Jordan Love. Like it was. And he looked for, good. That's what he looked. He looked real good. I had yes, no was, expectations for this game. I just kind of and that's how I kind of been with the Packers the rest of the season where it was like, oh, you know, the last few, several years. It's like, yeah, it's Sunday. I can't wait to watch the Packers. And now it's like, oh, it's Sunday. And I know it's going to hurt. I'm going to watch them anyways because this is what you do. This is that beautiful thing that we call football and fandom and all of that. Um, But, you know, I wasn't expecting there to be 73 total points scored in the game. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was entertaining. I thought the Packers, you know, the offense looked better. Defense stunk. I mean, that was just hard to watch. But, yeah, like you said, on the offensive side of things, like great to see Watson and out there just continuing to do his thing. The speed is just ridiculously in- impressive, incredible, awesome, all of the above. Dylan looked great. I saw, you know, I know he got um, hit hard toward the end, so hopefully yeah. he's good. I haven't seen anything, you know, that said that says otherwise. Yeah, he was on the bench. I think he was joking and stuff a little bit, and there was yeah. no trainer. So it's kind of one of those things, like probably a bruise. He did get hard, hit hard, but yeah, I was kind of watching, but nothing, nothing so far. So I think he's and really then good. And love, I mean. That was yeah. great to see. I think that was like the most confident that we've ever seen him. And, you know, he got a touchdown pass and all that. And it just, well, you know, yes, it was a loss. I wasn't expecting a win, but I was expecting a, a more painful loss, I guess you could say. And we're at that point in the 2022 Packers season where a painful loss or a less painful loss and one where, you know, there were some bright spots is, is kind of a win for us. So I'll take it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, I'm I'm in the exact same boat. Enough pod when we'll get to it a little bit later. Some positives to take away from it, also some negatives. But yeah, it was overall, I came out of that game. And granted, maybe it was just because the guy I was with had a lot of bottles of bourbon that he bought at auction and, and I was feeling all right. But, uh, you know, not auction, I'm sorry for a charity. But uh, yeah, it was uh, I, I came away from that game not feeling terrible, but kind of kind of some hope for, you know, fun games for the rest of this year and then for the future there as well, which was fun. Um, we, we got time for looking in the past. We'll do it a little later. But as we always do here, we're looking to the future, man. We're going to be looking at towards this game, which is Bears week. It's Bears week. Uh, and just a couple things, uh, you know, to kick us off before we get the news and notes. Uh, Packers and Bears, you know, there's not a whole lot to play for. But what there's to play for, they both come into this game tied for the most wins in NFL regular season history. They both have 786 wins. The winner of this game for at least one week is the winningest franchise in NFL history, which is pretty awesome. So, wow. listen. If you, if that doesn't give you a reason to watch this game, I don't know what does. That's going to be exciting. And then kind of going to what the Packers have done against the Bears. The floor has never lost against them. Rodgers have gone seven straight games without throwing an interception. I think his uh, his QB rating is is plus 125 in his past 10 meetings, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, we don't know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. We don't know what's going on with the team as a whole going into the offseason. But, man, if the Packers come out of this week, they beat, they beat uh, Mike McCarthy. If the Packers come out of this week, beating the Bears, maybe running the Bears out of out of their own stadium, 
for the most wins in regular season history. There's some, I'll take some comfort in that. You take the little wins in a season like this. So, Sarah, and it's what, you can beat your rival. It's a good feeling. Yeah. Listen, I don't want to beat him. I want to stomp him. I want to stomp him into oblivion. I don't care what happens the rest of the season. Just stomp him, stomp him good, head into the bye, and then we'll see what happens on the other side. But You're yeah, like Sarah, the Adam driver. More! More! That's you right <laughs> no, now. That's exactly me. They're going to be up, if they go up like 20 nothing in the first quarter, like, you just keep your foot on the gas, buddy. Like, I don't care what happens from here. So, uh, it's going to be fun. We'll get into that game a little bit later. But before we do that, there are some news and notes. Uh, Packers released Jonathan Abram. Abram, of course, the former first-round pick that they claimed off waivers from the Raiders. I think he was with the Packers for two games. He was inactive this past week. I think he played a grand total of one defensive snap during his time. So they dropped him. The corresponding move, they signed in his gains. They promoted from the active roster or to the active roster from the practice squad and then filled his spot with uh, with Nick. I'm going to butcher this. Uh, Gugamos, a tight end. Uh, they signed him to the practice squad, 6'5", tight end, uh, out of the University of St. Thomas. That's in St. Paul, Minnesota. Originally signed with the Seahawks in 2021, bounced around with Washington and Cleveland. Uh, barely worth mentioning him. I assume he's just a, can't, just a body for the practice squad. We probably will be talking next week about his release. But, uh, I don't know, Sarah, how do you feel about this? I know there was some hope for for Jonathan Abram, but Ennis Gaines, you know, but not a ton of hope, I don't think, at least for my part. Uh, Ennis Gaines, kind of a fan favorite from from last year, kind of his, making his return. What are your thoughts on on some of the moves we had this week? Yeah, I thought this was interesting. You mean two weeks, like you said, there wasn't much. And I think the Packers are just at a point in their season where they're trying to bring guys in, see what they can get. And if they don't really feel like they're getting the production value, then, you know, they move things around. And that, you know, I hate saying that, but it's, it's tough business. And that kind of seems to be what they're doing with the the bottom, you know, third or so of their roster. Um, I saw Tom Pelissaro reported that, uh, Green Bay wants to look at its young guys and focus on them. So, you know, like you said, with Gaines, maybe, you know, fan favorite. They, they've they saw some things that they've liked in the past, and then some of the younger guys they have now, they just want to keep it close. They want to keep it focused on that and, and go from there. So I don't think there's too much to it aside from that. Um, and again, like you said, with, you know, some of the additional signings like this tight end, it might just be some bodies um, in practice and on the squad there. Yeah, I think if you sign a tight end to the practice squad and you put number 46 on him, like you don't have high hopes for him is, is my general feeling. Um, the other move, the other big move, big move happened today, Sarah. They restructured Dean Lowry's contract. Um, I don't have all the details because I don't I don't really dig into it, but they converted $1.5 million of his base salary in 2022 into a signing bonus. So that created $1.1 million in cap space. Uh, there's not really been any noise out of the organization at all. No rumblings of a potential extension. This is a thought that that perhaps this is to clear a little bit of money for an extension, but there's not really been usually when when they've got someone on the horizon, you at least hear some rumblings. There's been none of that. I think Rashawn Gary is the big name you'd be looking for there, but so far, nothing on there. So Dean Lowry, does this move the needle for you at all, Sarah? Does this 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 ring any bells in your head in terms of in terms of what they may be planning here? I think maybe like a really small one, like a little chime, a little wind chime or something like that. Um, You know, I saw this and I said, oh, interesting. Okay. I think, you know, whenever there's a restructure like this and it's with a player that, you know, the Packers like, you're kind of like, oh, hmm, wonder what could be cooking there. Um, And I, it's probably just a move to save their butt later and try to give, you know, they want to thank themselves in the future and say, oh, we did that. And it helped to save, you know, that little bit of money there, but nothing too crazy. 
It's like finding $20 in your pocket that you're like, oh, I forgot this was here. Thanks, past me. This was very nice yeah, of you. Like, oh, just Thanks. setting up the future me. Now I can go, you know, <laughs> go buy dinner tonight. Like, Good looking out, guys. I, I appreciate appreciate the forethought here. Um, and, and from the bear side as well, we'll just mention this kind of going into the game. Uh, so Eddie Jackson and Darnell Mooney. So that's, that's their number one safety and their number one uh, wide receiver. Uh, went to IR. I believe uh, Jackson was a knee and Mooney was a shoulder, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so Mooney, Mooney was ankle. Oh, was it ankle? Okay. Okay. So they we will not be seeing them. They're likely done for the season going on IR. It's a minimum of four games. We don't have that many games left, but we're definitely not seeing them this weekend. And Justin Fields, who did not start this past week against the Jets, they're saying day-to-day. They're basically saying if he's medically cleared, he'll be playing. He had that the shoulder issue that, uh, that he suffered two games ago that held him out of the Jets game. Uh, that I, if my gut is telling me that he probably will not be starting, which means potentially Trevor Simeon again. So the, we may see the bears with no Eddie Jackson, no Darnell Mooney and Trevor Simeon at the helm. Um, so <laughs> Sarah, you're smiling as I'm saying that. How does, how does, how does that make you feel? I know, uh, I don't know if you have the tweet up. I know Schneidman had a, a had a, had a pretty nice observation about this. Yeah, our good friend Matt Schneidman said Packers are going to really have to step their game up if they want a top five pick. So, you know, we're at that point in the season where we're making jokes like that. But, Dusty, I think this is good for you and your plan. You said you want the Packers to beat the Bears into oblivion. Mm -hmm. Well, when some of your best players are not on the field, and I mean, Justin Fields has before he was injured, was looking really good. He looked like he was trending upward and that he was starting to do things that people always thought he could do. And, you know, with how the Packers defense is playing right now, that could have been really dangerous. And now, you know, maybe he's not going to play. Number one wide receiver is out. Best safety is out. So that leaves a lot of opportunity for a struggling Packers team to hopefully go to Chicago, where we know Aaron Rodgers loves to play, beat the Bears, come back to Green Bay and just feel a little bit better about where they're at. You know, I'm not saying that this is going to be the start of a run, but at least get some confidence going and hopefully, you know, find something and get Mm -hmm. into a bit of a a rhythm. I'd love to have a a two-game win streak or a win streak period. I miss those days. So let's, let's try to get back to that. Yeah, Justin Fields' accuracy is still all over the place, but if he started was 100% healthy, he, he might run for 500 yards on this team. So uh, that might be fun. Um, yeah, well, and after the Bears, the Packers play the Rams, who are not good this year. So, I mean, mm-hmm. if, if they can beat the Bears and they beat the Rams, then, hey, two games in a row. Good job, guys. You did it. Uh, so hopefully hopefully we can see that. And I'm at, I'll be at the Rams game, so I'd, I'd, that'd be oh, cool to go. celebrate the uh, yeah. winning streak there. Um, and last note, I guess before we get, and we'll kind of lead into you here in a second, Sarah, is uh, it sounds like Rodgers plan on playing this week against the Bears. You know, obviously we just talked about with Love starting or Love playing last quarter due to Rodgers. He had the broken thumb, and then he took a couple pretty nasty hits, and it sounds like uh, he didn't know what was going on. Initially they were saying oblique. Rodgers said he thought he punctured a lung. Apologized to the floor after the game for not playing through it, which – and nobody, if you think you punctured a lug, I don't think you got to apologize to anyone for not playing through it. Uh, I believe it was uh, the the x-rays came back. I think it's ribs, a rib injury, but he's saying he feels okay to play. And right now he's basically saying if they're not mathematically eliminated, he said this uh, two days ago, if they're not, not mathematically eliminated, uh, that, that he will be playing. And it sounds like he's he's clear to play. And uh, he's uh, from as near as I can tell, he's saying he is playing. He's planning on playing this week against the Bears. The floor saying the same thing. He said that and more on uh, McAfee this week, which you got just got done watching not long ago. So Sarah, fill us in. There's been some some wild Rogers stuff uh, this week, as there is every week. Uh, what was the, what was the McAfee appearance? What were some of the takeaways there this week? 
Yeah, so just a few high-level things. So, of course, right off the bat, they talked about the broken thumb and how it was leaked and how it was leaked by, in their words, a make-a-wish kid, which we all know is our um, is our dear friend, Big B, uh, from Underage Packers podcast. Um, so uh, they talked about that and they said, how did this come about? How did he get this information? How – and actually Ty Schmidt, who is a big Packers fan that is on the Pat McAfee show, he was the one that made sure they said the correct name, that they knew it was him. So I thought that was – Pretty cool. He got a little a little shout out. There. I, I did I did watch that portion. It seemed like there was some confusion of, of whether it was Packers P or Big P, but but Ty kept him straight. Yeah, kept him on message until they made sure it was Big B. So I I, I certainly appreciate that. Yes. So they asked how to come about, and Roger said, you know, he's apparently an aspiring podcaster, great kid. He asked a lot of questions. We had a nice lunch chat, and then got released so that was that Roger seemed to honestly find the whole situation pretty funny and you know he probably knew that at some point this season that was going to come out and he thought hey this is kind of a unique fun situation so maybe better than what he preferred like if Rappaport or Schefter or one of those guys leaked it um but they did move on from the thumb uh, pretty fast because in their words, it's old news. It's been broken since week five, so they don't need to talk about it anymore. Um, and they quickly moved on to the rib slash oblique injury. Um, you know, a little bit of what you already said, Dusty said he prides himself in playing through pain and pushing himself, you know, to finish games felt like he was in considerable pain though, and that he couldn't move much at all. And his main thing was that he just wanted to make sure something super serious, like a punctured lung wasn't happening. You know, you mentioned that, you know, that had happened to Cobb before and other guys and it can be really scary. So once that he kind of started feeling that that maybe could be a possibility was when he said, Hey, I need to get this checked out and just make sure, you know, it's nothing that I need to go to the emergency room for right now. Um, but he said, you know, Got good news with the scans this week. Plans to play in Chicago, as we already discussed. I mean, come on. He's the owner of the Bears. He has to make an appearance. So he'll be there. Um, They talked a lot about Christian Watson, of course, and um, that was just a really cool conversation. You know, he said he went from struggling to find any consistency to catching literally everything that he throws at him, even in practice. And just there's a difference. And, you know, he said it's rare that, again, people like to say it, but it doesn't actually happen a lot that one play can really change everything for a guy, but that really is, has been the case for Christian Watson, you know, ever since the Dallas game when he was able to make that big, deep catch that we felt like the Packers were just missing on over and over and over again all year. And when he scored the deep uh, catch for touchdown, that that was just the confidence boost he needed. Um, and, you know, he said, I haven't seen anyone have this sort of jump in confidence, jump in performance and just looking so much better really since, you know, he, he compared it to James Starks and he said that, you know, that confidence can bring you so far. And as an older player now in the league that he loves seeing a confidence like that from a young guy like Christian Watson, um, and that he's really just enjoyed the last few weeks and seen how he's grown. So thought that was really cool. Clearly he's earned Rogers trust and Rogers really loves the guys. So, um, awesome to see him kind of fight through a couple, you know, tough first few weeks, injuries and all of that to now get to where he is now and, you know, leading the rookie wide receivers and touchdowns and basically just three games. So really cool to see. Um, in addition to that, they talked about, you know, Pat McAfee said, speaking of confidence, somebody who looked 
way more confident and comfortable on the field than we've seen in the past was uh, Jordan Love. Um, and Roger said, you know, that was also really nice to watch. He said, I feel like an older brother watching him, especially when he does well. I care about the, him a lot. Fun to see his growth and just see him relax out there. You know, he said similar to Christian about Christian Watson that sometimes all it takes is just one play or one throw that you feel like you really, you know, are hitting your stride and you're stepping in rhythm to go, okay, I know what I'm doing. You know, it's just a game and it becomes simple and then you get confident and you start getting our role. And he said, you know, he thinks Jay Love got out there, made a couple plays and then really felt confident in what he was doing and that he's loved watching that uh, progression too just in the last couple of years. Um, And then, of course, they talked about the game this upcoming weekend, more, you know, jokes about how Rodgers loves playing in Chicago. He's the owner, all of that. Nothing we haven't heard before. Um, And then he he gave a big shout out, as they say on the Pat McAfee show, to uh, Molly Crosby and Mason Crosby, of course, but mainly Molly because she did a great job hosting Thanksgiving. He said he, she had some help and with some cute kids that he just loves and adores in their family, but it was a great time. He said he has to mention it because she Molly would lose her mind if he doesn't. So he wanted to make sure that everyone knew she was a good host he was very happy with the side and pie options that were there. So it seemed like they had a good Thanksgiving and um, it was very memorable for them. And then, of course, they ended with the book club for the Aaron Rodgers book club that has um, continued on for its second year this year on the Pat McAfee Show. And this week's book is Recovery, Freedom from Our Addictions by Russell Brand. Awesome. Thanks for that, Sarah. Sounds like he covered covered quite a bit. And I've always, uh, we talk about this, I appreciate when you kind of, you get some of that deep dive stuff into there, both with the kind of the relationships with, uh, you know, the Crosby family who he's known for forever. And then, you know, the confidence with, with Watson and, and the love and all that stuff. So I love, I love hearing all that stuff. Um, appreciate that. So uh, we mentioned, we mentioned this man multiple times. It's bears week. It's bears week. Packers, uh, Packers heading in there. Neither, neither team doing particularly well. The Bears were not expecting to do well, so not necessarily a marquee matchup. But uh, they are still playing a game. It's one I know I'm excited about. So, uh, as we always do, we're going to be looking at the Packers offense versus the opposing team defense. Sarah, what are you looking for this weekend? Packers offense versus Bears defense. Let's be real. The way this season is going, it would not be super shocking to see any Packers fan cracking open a can of beer at 9 a.m. on any given morning. It's been a long year, but while it would be understandable, it's probably not actually a can of beer. It's probably an ice cold, refreshing can of liquid death, a new mountain spring water from the Alps. Why is this delicious water called liquid death, you ask? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Friends, liquid death tastes incredible and I can give you that endorsement based on my own experience. I'm not a huge sparkling water guy, but I'm telling you, the lime liquid death is beyond for real and will have you rushing back out to the store for more. Add in the fact that it's a win for the environment and it looks funny when your kids are drinking tall boys while watching the game and you basically have a perfect product. So go get your own liquid death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find a liquid death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match. With Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Yeah, I'm really looking for one thing, and I've already talked about it a lot, but it's just the Christian Watson party. I want to see how that continues. You know, the Bears, obviously we talked about Jackson already being out, but even when he's there, the Bears have been, you know, pretty weak in the air this season. They're giving up an average of 206.1 yards per game, um, passing yards and per ESPN. And then for reference, if you think that the Packers passing defense is bad, they're only giving up 187.8. So that's just, you know, that tells you that it's not great. Um, So I want them to really take advantage of this. And, you know, Rogers loves playing against Chicago. He has fun. He loves trolling them. So this is a good opportunity to just attack them in the air, I think. And, you know, Christian Watson is gaining all this confidence. He looks great. He's so freaking fast. Just give him the ball. Um, so that's what I'm going to be looking for. And just hopefully that continues. And, you know, he can he can stretch his lead for rookie wide receiver touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, that ended up just being much more difficult to say than I anticipated um, after the Bears week. I've said Wookiee in front of my children so many times this year uh, trying to talk about that. So uh, I appreciate it's not just me. I could tell like – you know, sometimes when you mispronounce a word, like somebody laughs at you, but you almost looked excited that I had like had said that, like Someone you were else. alone. Yeah. <laughs> and listen, man, I, 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 like a Wookie wide receiver would just be brutal to play against. So that would I'd, I'd be all in favor of seeing a Wookie on the field, seeing what they could do. Um, they're tall and they'll rip your arm off, uh, which which I am in favor of both those things. So I kind of want to take a walk down memory lane with this one a little bit. So first of all. Take a look at you know the Packers we know struggling on offense all year. Okay, so I looked at I looked at the Football Outsiders numbers per Football Outsiders DVOA. Packers have played uh, their schedule has been second toughest defense in the league this year. They've played against second toughest defense in the league all year. So they've a, a, I think of their of uh, I don't know of their twelve games, seven of them so fifty eight percent have been in the top ten. And if you expand that to top eleven, that makes eight of their. 12 matchups have been against a top 10, top 11 defense per football outsiders DVOA. So they've come up against some pretty tough defense this year. Now, that being said, they did not acquit themselves particularly well against one of the worst defenses in the league at the time when they played the Lions. But still, they've had a run of bed of, of very good defenses they played against this year. And even against some of those, they moved the ball on even if they had a hard time scoring on some of those. All that to say, the now here they're playing the Bears, uh, the 31st ranked defense in the league. 
and they're bad across the board. They're 31st in pass. They're 28th in rush. So we now have the Packers going in there with, it looks like, again, Aaron Rodgers starting, the bear killer. We ran down some of those numbers earlier. The on-fire Christian Watson, who we should say is up for uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year for the second time in three weeks after this performance. So hopefully he wins that one again. Uh, and an A.J. Dillon, who's looking pretty good. Which again, 31st-ranked defense in the league. So we're either looking at Rodgers or if then Rodgers gets injured in game or last minute decides he can't go, Jordan Love, who looked pretty good last week. So I'm looking at some of that. And I want to take this back to what we saw in the last time they played the Bears. It was week two, which seems like a lifetime ago. They had 414 total yards on the day, which was their third highest total on the year. I think 443 against the Patriots. And I think 415 is only one yard higher. And I can't remember what game that was. I think the Lions, actually, they just couldn't punch the ball in. Leading receivers in that game, Sammy Watkins, three catches, 93 yards. Randall Cobb, three catches, 37 yards. Romeo Dobbs, two catches, 27 yards. Alan Lazard, two catches, 13 yards and a touchdown. Christian Watson, three catches for nine yards. They basically had him as like the, that was like the the push pass, push pass, push pass, uh, shovel stuff, like when he do the jet sweep. That was basically what they were using. It was gimmick stuff. It was towards the line of scrimmage. You look at what they're doing now, and Cobb is back, and Cobb's looking pretty good. But the way they're able to stretch the field with Christian Watson and what he's able to do, not just as – I mean, this past week, I, was, I looked at his route chart. Everything was crossers. He's not They're not throwing go balls to him. They're getting him in space. They're moving him across the middle of the field. They're, heat, they're hitting him. They're, making, they're letting him work. What they've done with – been able to do with him as the season's gone on and as he's gotten healthy has been really impressive. So you look at what they did, and even the Watkins stuff, two of Watkins' catches – came on on balls they're now throwing to uh to Christian Watson. Uh so uh, so you look at like what Sammy Watkins is now, what he was <laughs> even in that game and you picture they're now using Christian Watson in that role. They're just they're much this is kind of what the hope was. The hope always was for the season, right? Was defense is good enough to carry them while they fit defensive running game while they figure this stuff out in the offense and by the time that bye week hits, by the time the playoffs start to roll around, they're gelling a little bit more, and they're able to figure that out what they're doing. And honestly, we you know we know we know Dobbs uh, is not back yet, and so that's part of it. But with Christian Watson in, this was the vision. This is what they always hoped. It's just everything else turns out the defense wasn't very good, uh, and so that that kind of killed them. And you know the offense was kind of up and down a little bit, and the Rodgers injury, a lot of things happened. My point is, this is what I'm looking for. You mentioned Christian Watson. I want a lot of him, but really, I just want to see like listen. I don't know if this is the last game Aaron Rodgers is going to start. It's possible. We don't know. My feeling is it's not. But we get to see Aaron Rodgers against the Bears with Christian Watson doing Christian Watson stuff against a really bad Bears defense that got lit up by Mike White and the Jets last week. So I'm, I'll, I just want, I don't care how they do it. I don't care if, they, if they're doing the ground. I don't care if they do it through the air. They're going to have their opportunities either way. I just want some fireworks, man. I want another Christian Watson just turning on the Jets turning the corner and just making something happen. I just, I want to see them look like a competent offense before the bye week and just give, give you something to hold on to. Just make us happy through that bye week. That's, that's what I'm looking for from an offensive perspective, nothing too big, nothing too schematic based. I just, I want some fireworks, man. Um, that's what I'm looking for. So that's what we got. Uh, and from there, we will go to some questions. As always, we ask for questions on Twitter. You guys provide us with some good ones. And so we're going to hit up some of those, and then we will get you guys out of here. All right. So our first question is from at Forward Armado. They want to know, which quarterback gives the Packers the best chance to win? 
It's still Rogers. I mean, I, I like, I, we'll get to it in a second, but I think, um, I like what we see, what we've seen in love. I did, I looked at every single one of his snaps. It was a, a stream I did, um, yesterday, look at every single one of his, his passing snaps and he looked really, really good. They did not put a whole lot on his plate. And so I'd be curious to see, I think before saying like Jordan love it, as a guy who, who played nine really good passing snaps last week is a, gives you a better chance to win than Aaron Rodgers coming off whatever you think of him this year, two MVPs and, and still will give you some stuff this year. I think it's Aaron Rodgers by a mile until Jordan Love proves otherwise. And maybe maybe Jordan Love does. We just we've not seen it so far. So I'll go Aaron Rodgers. I think that's 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 a pretty easy one. Yeah, I agree with you 100 percent. Like I get that he hasn't played up to his standard and many other people's standards this season, whether it be injuries or just other factors. But it's still Aaron freaking Rodgers. Like, come on. Um, and in, like you said, until Love really proves otherwise that he's the guy, it, it's always going to be Rodgers for me and for now, um, and and we'll go from there. Alrighty, and as Dusty sort of alluded to, our next question uh, kind of ties into that, and it's from Jordan Walsh, and they want to know, how many games will Jordan Love start this year? Um, or is there anything quantifiable you can use to determine his success and failure in those games? Um, and then they asked, someone brings lasagna to your family's Thanksgiving meal. How do you react? So Dusty, what are your thoughts on this? My gut feeling is four. Um, I think, you know, we talked about Rogers starting this week and he said he's going to do so until they're mathematically eliminated. And and given the, given the state of things, they can win this week and then they've got the bye. And I think by the time they're out of the bye, I, I, I think they're I think they're done. So I think they they take this week, they play the Bears, they go into the bye, they come out. And then I think Rogers doesn't start again. Uh, give him a chance to heal. So I think Love starts those last four. Maybe Rogers starts one. Maybe he starts the Rams game. But my gut feeling is that is that Love starts four. And uh, that second part is there anything quantifiable you can use to determine his success failure in those games? Like yeah, I, I don't know how much you can project long term from four games. But I mean that's been the question on him all along. Was he lost the first year to a COVID year? We didn't see much. The second year, he had two preseason games because he was injured in one, and then we had the uh, the, the Chiefs game, I guess. Um, which w- there's a whole bunch of stuff that went into that. That like it's it not necessarily excuses, but you add context to that, and that makes it a little tougher to evaluate that. I think these four, if he starts these four games, I think it tells you a lot. Again, like these nine snaps this past game, he looked really good. He was decisive. He was confident. He got the ball out quickly, accurately. All of that. I think he was six for nine. Uh, Aaron Jones dropped one, and then there was the one to Cobb that uh, you can call it defensive pass interference, whatever. I don't particularly care, but that's a ball on the money, uh, kind of on the move there. So I think he he looked even better, or he did not better than his numbers, I think, indicated. But that's still, they ran like four concepts. They didn't ask him to do much. They're like, here's here's this on one side, here's this on the other side. We're going to call this three or four times during this, and this is going to be your read. They just rolled him out there. The defense wasn't expecting him, and they didn't play prevent defense. They were trying to trap him on some of that, and some of his processing I think was good, but that was nine snaps. So I think through over a four-game snapple, snapple over a four game sample you can tell a little more how that's been my question with him is how does he look over a full game we saw him look good throwing the ball nine times how does he look when you got to expand the playbook when you're asking him to do more at the line when you're asking him to progress through not just four concepts you're asking him to progress through 20 concepts throughout the course of a game, even if they simplified that a little bit because we even saw within those nine snaps defenses adjust and then he had to make things happen on the fly because the 
the defense adjusted on that. So I think there are things you can do, whether whether number wise or whatever. But I think if you look at how he does on the film and you look at what are they trying to run, what's the defense doing to take it away, and then how does he react to that? Like I think there's stuff you can do now through four games. I don't think you can say this guy's going to be a Hall of Fame guy. This guy's going to be an above average NFL starter. But I think you can tell a lot. You can at least project that a little bit forward if he does well in those four games and the stuff he does well at is stuff that you're like, okay, listen, they threw this, this, this at him. The defense reacted this, this, this. And then he reacted like if you're watching him like think and go on the fly, keep those turnovers down, not just chuck the ball up for grabs. See the guys. Some one of his, some of his issues in college were not necessarily seeing the whole field, not reading some of the guys, predetermining throws. If you're seeing him move through those progressions consistently, which we saw him do this past Sunday, I think you can you can make a little more of a of, of projection on him than we've been able to otherwise. So I think I think yeah, I think there's there's a lot we can tell from four games. Whether or not that tells you whether he's going to be like a long term viable starter, who knows? But I do think there's stuff you can tell from the four games. Um, and someone brings lasagna to your family's Thanksgiving meal. I welcome with open arms, man. Thanksgiving is a time for love and acceptance and just food. Just, just, I don't care if it's lasagna. Listen, people bring stuffing to Thanksgiving and stuffing's <laughs> gross. Like, well, I, the, the lasagna is delicious. Yes, I welcome lasagna at Thanksgiving. Oh, um, as far as the first part, I kind of felt like four, two for Jordan Love starting, but because of that, I'm going to go with three. Uh, because it seems like Aaron Rodgers always kind of pushes the limit to the last possible second. Um, and I think there'll be a game in there where we're like, oh, Rodgers won't start. And then all of a sudden, number 12 will jog on out there and uh, take the first snap of the game. So I'm going to go with three. As far as, you know, is there anything quantifiable we can use to determine his success and failure or love success and failure in those games? It really depends on what they let him do and also the guys that are out there. I mean, it kind of felt like, at least in my opinion, you know, watching the Eagles game when he was throwing and, and, you know, moving around the pocket a little bit. I remember saying to my dad, oh, my gosh, this is the first time I feel like they actually just let him kind of go and and run with it. You know, we have saw in the Chiefs game a few years ago few years ago, like during the COVID game, they ran the ball a lot. It seemed like um, other times he's come in, he's just handed the ball off to like finish the game. And uh, this was kind of the first time where I said, okay, I'm seeing more of Jordan Love. Obviously not in a preseason game because I don't count that because, you know, that's not quantifiable in my opinion, really. Um, so if, you know, in these hypothetical three games, they actually let Love, you know, let it rip a little bit. They're not sitting a bunch of the other starters and he has other guys out there like Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, and, you know, Christian Watson is playing and Randall Cobb. And maybe, yeah, we can actually see, you know, what he's able to do. But a lot of it is just based on the circumstance and what position the Packers put him in. You know, at the end of the day, he is a backup quarterback. And sometimes that means you have to come into not so perfect situations. So it's hard to determine, you know, what you would do if you were in a starting lineup and everyone out there was, and you're running with the ones, you know, the entire time. Um, and yeah, I'm with you on the lasagna take, Dusty. You know, not my top uh, Thanksgiving choice, but if someone were to bring it, it's food. And I think, you know, Thanksgiving at the end of the day is a, is a celebration of family and food and a wonderful feast. So yeah, just, you know, we'll, we'll diversify the palate a little bit, but it'll be good. All right. Now, because I jumped the gun before, now we have our question for Matt Pickett, two-part question. Um, first one, what are your most positive and most negative takeaways from the Eagles game and also from the whole season so far? 
And then food, now that we're past Thanksgiving, what's your favorite December holiday-related food? Positive. I mean, I could go love, and I think love is probably the obvious answer here. Um, and there, and there, that was a, a very positive takeaway from that game. I'll go Christian Watson. Uh, just, just it's further evolution of him as a player. I mean, like I said, early in the season was all gadget stuff, and then they were kind of running them on deep stuff earlier. The fact that they're kind of working him more on some, you know, curl routes, stop routes, crossing routes, and he's doing so well at that. And you're starting to see more of kind of that nuance in his receiver game that that you know some people are unsure whether he would have that this early, especially for a rookie receiver who didn't run a whole lot of routes at NDSU. Uh, I think that's the most positive takeaway. Is like, listen, it's only it's only three games so far. Um, it's a three game run he's been on, which is really the first three games he's played like extended action, which is promising. I'm trying to pump the brakes. It's only three games so far, but what they're asking him to do, what he's doing, like how he's doing it, how he looks doing it, the sky just feels like the limit for him. So that's that's the positive takeaway is just it's it's Christian Watson. It's the Christian Watson show until someone says otherwise. And, and what he's putting on tape, what he's put on the field is really, really encouraging. A negative takeaways. My God. My God, the rushing defense stinks. Like, and it's it stinks in ways that like it was bad last year. And we're gonna well, we'll get a question on this in a minute. So I don't want I don't want to talk about it too much. But like the passing defense has its issues, and, and there's you know kind of weird stuff going on there. But the rush defense is just, and some of it, some of that is plan uh, related. I think kind of the where the, what they have guys doing. Other is just guys not making plays when they're there, and it, it just it stinks. It all it just stinks out loud the entire thing, and it's. It's really painful to watch third and two and then a quarterback like jog for 35 yards. I don't care for it, Sarah. I'd like to go on the record as saying that I do not care for it. Um, so that's a big negative. Um, now that we're past Thanksgiving, what's your favorite December holiday related food? Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what it's. I just went to Trader Joe's today. So this is a really bad or good time to be asking me this because they've got so much like candy cane, peppermint bark related stuff uh, that, that I, I can go in for that. Uh and then also anything like the was the white chocolate covered uh, pretzel uh, with 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 peanuts and stuff in there. Really get down with that. But right now I'm just feeling peppermint bark because that's what Trader Joe's had. Nice. For me, I'll I'll go backwards on the question. So uh, favorite December holiday related food. I've talked about it time and time again, but it would be spritz butter Christmas cookies. Those are always my favorite. I've mentioned that my grandmother who is. Uh, passed away a few years ago. She made these every year, and we luckily found the recipe after she, her recipe after um, she passed, and we've continued to make them. And they're just, you know, not only do they taste delicious, but they just personally have, uh, you know, they're very meaningful to me. Um, and then my most positive and most negative takeaways from the Eagles game. Yes, of course, what Dusty said, I think another positive would be AJ Dillon. He definitely looked like he had his best game of the season. Um, and it seems like around this time, you know, people say in November, December, oh, Mariah Carey and Michael Buble are defrosting. And I think AJ Dillon can be thrown in that category too, because it seems <laughs> like every winter he really just, you know, turns it on and looks really great. Um, so hopefully we continue to see that from AJ Dillon. That was really promising. Um, you know, caught a couple nice passes too. Um, and then negatives, not to call one person out, but Rasul Douglas is looking a little rough, uh, this year. <laughs> and, you know, this past game, he got exposed a couple times, you know, Dusty, you talked about, um, the rush defense a little bit and mentioned, you know, there are some issues with passing. Um, definitely agree with you on that, but, yeah, you know, it's. I tweeted a couple weeks ago 
third and long for the Packers defense is an automatic first down. And I think all but like two times they had, the Eagles had a third and long that happened because I started counting and um, seeing, you know, was I overreacting or was that a legitimate statement? And it seems to be closer to the legitimate statement. Um, so those are, you know, concerning. And, you know, with the whole season, I think for me, yes, the whole season has been a bit of a letdown, but the defense has been really disappointing for me because they were so hyped up in the offseason that this was supposed to be the year that the Packers have this great defense while giving up 40 points isn't isn't ideal. And, you know, yes, they've they've come through before and the offense has been the problem, but I think that was kind of expected. You knew there were going to be some growing pains there. So, you know, with the whole season, the defense just has been a little sad. Um, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see. It seems like, in, again, we're, I don't want to jump ahead to our next question, but um seems like, you know, Matt LaFleur right now is sticking with Joe Barry, but we'll see how the rest of the season plays out and just kind of what happens there. All right. So our last question from NFT Junkie. They said, I believe it was LaFleur that said defensive players were in positions to make plays on Sunday and that scheme was not the issue. I'm wondering if you all agree with that take. Obviously, at some point, players have to execute, but is Barry really absolved from issues? So I'll just let Dusty answer this. I feel like this is a perfect Dusty question. I know he has a good answer prepared and um, one that will probably blow mine out of the water. So I'll just give give you the floor. All right, here we go. Um, so, like, yes, I know the floor thing because there are times when guys were not in position. I think Ross Uglum on yesterday's podcast was talking about this. I can't remember exactly who said. It. I think it was Ross. Uh, that one. I mean, the, the Eagles have a good offensive line, so that's part of it. Uh, but they left Jason Kelsey uncovered a lot, and he they just basically gave him free release to get to the second level, block a linebacker on touch, and if you can give it to Jason Kelsey, one of the best centers in the game, uh, doing that, that's not good. That's not good. But for the most part, for scheme stuff, I, I I see the word scheme pop up a lot. People saying, well, scheme's bad. The scheme's bad. Like kind of speaking generally, uh, scheme is sound uh, across the NFL. Like you can, there's only so much you can do with a lot of this stuff. And so you say like, this guy's a schemer. That guy's, that guy's good. That Brandon Staley had a good scheme. And then, uh, you know, Barry is from that tree. He coached inside linebackers under Staley and was going to be assistant coach under, under Brandon Staley. The scheme, you know, there are some issues with it and when you call that stuff. But for the most part, if you're a defense coordinator in the NFL, your scheme is your scheme is sound. If you look at those on a piece of paper, you look at the dots, you look at all that stuff on a piece of paper, it's sound. The assignments are sound because that's the way this stuff is built. Like it, that, that's that's just the way this stuff goes. Where stuff starts breaking down, um, so I, I don't think this, like technically speaking, I don't necessarily believe the scheme is the issue because I rarely think the scheme is the issue. Like that's not really, the, that's not the issue. The bigger issue is with is I with I believe is still rest with Joe Barry because it's not just on defensive coordinator to say this is the scheme and I'm putting my scheme like that's not the end all be all the biggest thing and that's the big thing with Staley I don't want to bring him up again but I will because again Barry coached under him and that's kind of what got him this job with his familiarity with that scheme and with 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 Staley you talk to anyone who's had a conversation with Staley and that goes back to like high school days, college days. You listen to anyone talk who's had a conversation with Staley. They say the thing that makes that guy special, it's not always the X's and O's, although he has done some really nice stuff there. The biggest thing is how he communicates. That's the biggest thing as a coach, how you communicate the game, how you teach the game. And to a man, pretty much everyone you listen to will say Staley teaches the game extremely well. 
because there's some complicated stuff within within what you're trying to do. And everyone needs to know everyone else's assignment. They need to know why they're doing this, when they're doing this, and they need to be able to see all of that unfold on the field and play as one unit. That's the biggest thing for for a successful defense, for a successful offense, is, is successful teaching of this stuff. That's where the breakdowns occur. It's not scheme. It's how is it taught? Because again, on a paper, this on the paper, it's not saying you stand here and let this man run by you. And then this other guy picked this other guy up. And then like, there's, there's a hole there. That's not the way this works. Like it's, it's schemed a certain way. You just, it needs to be taught where the guys can play. It needs to be simple. Basically it needs to be complicated enough to cover for all this stuff, but taught simply enough where guys can play fast, know what they're supposed to be doing and know what everyone else is supposed to be doing as well. So you can all kind of all play within that. So, I mean, that's to me, that's the failure. And there's been some weird stuff this year. There's been breakdowns and coverage we didn't see the previous year. The tackling has been abysmal, and that was not an issue last year. So all of these issues that were not issues last year are suddenly issues this year. But to me, again, that was a very, very long-winded way of saying this. And, and the last part of that question was, um, at some point, players have to execute, but is Barry uh, really re- absolved from issues? No. He's not because again, it's not, this is not scheme related. If, if the guys seem lost, if guys are playing slow, if guys are not looking what they're going to be, and I don't think this all goes to Barry because I'm as a position coaches and stuff too, but it's all, it's how this is taught. And just because you can say the scheme is an issue, the scheme is sound. That doesn't mean it's taught well. And I don't think it's taught well. So if it's not taught well, that's not on the players. I mean, to some extent it, it probably is, but if it's not taught well, that's on the teachers, man. Like you don't, if the entire class fails a test, and you say, well, all these kids are dumb. No, they're not. It was not taught well. It was not taught well. It's not communicated well. That's generally the way this stuff works. So that that's my thoughts is if you want to speak technically, I don't think the scheme is the issue. But if you want to say absolve Barry from blame, no, no. I think he's still the number one man here. It's just not the scheme. It's it's the teaching here. And last thing I want to say on this that that kind of goes in with all this point here. There's been a lot of a lot of people upset about the whole keeping Barry on and, you know, why don't you fire him now and and, and all of that stuff. And I get it. Like, I really do. But And, and a lot of this has come to back to, like, well, Matt LaFleur is saying this. And he's keeping it off. Guys, I'm begging all of you that when a coach says something, don't believe what they're saying 100%. Matt LaFleur may be saying we have the faith, all the faith in the world in Barry. Barry's going to stay on. And maybe Barry will stay on. I, I can guarantee you, and it, I, I hope this is correct, Barry's not going to be here next year. And the reason they're not firing him now is likely there's likely a thousand reasons for that. Maybe they don't believe in Jerry Gray or whoever either to do it. And it's not worth them doing that and placing an inner. This is Westendorf said something like this yesterday. Why put an interim tag on a, on a guy who then has does pretty well for four games. And then suddenly you hire that man and he's not good for a full season. So I, if Barry stays on the whole year, honestly, that doesn't bother me too much at this point. I don't think he's going to be there next year, but just if Matt LaFleur is saying something to the effect of, well, you know, we, we have, we, you know, we like Joe Barry. We don't, we don't resolve him. I can guarantee you there's other conversations like that or the, that are different than that going on inside the building. So just that's, that's all I'm asking at this point. That's way too long of an answer. I apologize. Hey, Sarah, back to you. <laughs> like I said, that's why I just gave you the floor. That was perfect. Um, well, that wraps it up for questions. So we'll start with final thoughts. And I'll go first, Dusty, to give you a break since you just um, gave us a long speech there. Um, so for me, I don't really have any final thoughts in particular, except, you know, I know 
it's the the holiday season has has begun. You know, we're really diving into the thick of it now. And I think Steve, you know, mentioned it a couple of weeks ago that even though you know it's a, a good time to gather with family and friends, it can also be a really tough time for some people. So as always, you know, our DMs are open. We're we're always open. You know, if you if you need somebody to talk to or you just want to talk Packers, you know, just let us know. Um, we'd be happy to do that. Um, but other than that, Dusty, what do you have cooking this week? Any any articles coming out? Yeah, quite a few. So I had one uh, yesterday, two days ago, I guess, at this point. Uh, Packer Report, I wrote up the the Christian Watson 63-yard touchdown and the the you know the concept around that and, and kind of everything that went into that play. So kind of dug deep on that one. That's a Packer Report. And then today at Cheesehead TV, we'll be coming out a kind of a bigger look at the passing game uh, statistically and then, you know, kind of looking at some – some different throw charts and stuff from both Rogers and love perspective, how they did overall really weird uh, passing chart from Rogers this year. So, or this week. So we get into that a little bit and then dig into a couple of, a couple of plays I really liked. That was a couple of running back screens that they had some vertical tags on the, on the backside of those that I really enjoyed. So point those out. And then I've got videos running around. Um, The big one I did generally these, I try to keep them between, you know, four to eight minutes or something, walk through a couple of plays. I did one on, uh, the Christian Watson or the actually the Cobb touchdown and kind of looked at the, the the exact same concept that they ran that Christian Watson scored one on as third touchdown against the Cowboys. Um, so I did that. But the big one I did this week was a 30 minute one on Jordan Love. Again, it was I looked at all nine of his uh, pass attempts, kind of walk through. Here's the concept. Here's what they're trying to do. Here's how he's processing. So uh, that's out now. That's over on Twitter. I've got that posted and also over on my YouTube page, uh, which you can just search my name and I'm there. So that one that one took me a little bit of time to get through. Um, um, but I hope people find it interesting because I know I certainly did. Um, and then the last thing is just, yeah, to Sarah's point, it's a holiday season. I, I said something like this on Twitter as well. So we'll just repeat it here. Just it's something we try to remind people of quite a bit, but it, just be nice. Just try to be nice to other people. You don't know what they're going through. I mean, the holidays are hard for a lot of people. And then specifically, I mean, in retail, if you, if anyone who's worked retail or service industry job will, will know, uh, this time of year is really, really hard. Um, so if you're shopping and you're going somewhere and something is out of stock or you special order something, it's not there and you think it's going to be there or it takes five minutes for someone to come help you when you thought it was going to take two minutes. I know it's frustrating, man, but it's not, it's generally speaking, it's not the fault of the person in front of you. They're, they're just there to work, man. So then they're overworked, probably underpaid as well. Take it easy on them. Again, it, it, it doesn't take much to be kind. And a lot of times I know as someone who was in that position for a very long time, a kind word uh, can just mean the world to someone who's struggling on a hard day. So uh, just keep that in mind as you're going about your day. And uh, that's, that's all I ask really. All righty. And with that, we will talk to you next week. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast, at Dusty Evely, at Sarah Kelleher 4, and at Steve Perhatch. Hopefully, we'll be talking to you next week after a big win over the Chicago Bears, which is always a wonderful feeling as a Green Bay Packers fan. But for now, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the game this weekend. And as always, go Pack Go!
I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.